Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Howdy, folks. It is Tuesday, May 9th. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. On today's episode, planning a summer trip? Maybe skip Hawaii, says Hawaii. The state is struggling to strike a delicate balance in its bid to solve over-tourism, and we're going to talk about the economics behind that issue. But first, let's take a quick look at what else is happening in the world of business and tech. Let's get crackalacking. Rob, what are you looking at? So the first thing I'm looking at, JC, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a huge Warren Buffett fan. Mm. have read multiple books on Warren Buffett, really admire him as an investor. And he had the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting over the weekend. And as he usually does... The Oracle of Omaha dropped a few legendary quotes. So I figured I'd share a few of those with you. A nice buffet of quotes, you might exactly, say. Exactly. Exactly. I see what you did there and I like it. On the economy, Buffett said the extraordinary period of excessive spending on the back of the COVID pandemic stimulus is over. And he offered lower guidance for year-over-year earnings for the rest of the year. On the future of value investing, which is another strategy that goes alongside growth investing, him and Charlie Munger have been practicing this for years. And ultimately, I think Munger said that he sees a rough time for value investors going forward just because he doesn't think that there are going to be a ton of opportunities present because he thinks the current circumstances are going to make people make smarter decisions. But the fun thing about these guys is their opinions clash all the time. And (laughs) Buffett basically said, in the 58 years we've been running Berkshire, I would say there's been a great increase in the number of people doing dumb things. And they do big, dumb things. (laughs) And basically, he says and extrapolated that to mean that there will be more opportunities to make money down the road when people do really dumb things. Very nice. Exactly. Just capitalizing on other people's failures, which is going to happen. It's always going to happen. Yep. Another quote he had on dollar alternatives, which if you're not familiar with these guys, they are very bearish on Bitcoin and crypto in general. Buffett said, we are the reserve currency. I see no option for any other currency to be the reserve currency. And he's obviously talking about the dollar there. Mm -hmm. So holding that opinion through crypto winter. The last thing I wanted to mention, I was trying to think about what the odds are for this, but Buffett's 92 now and Charlie Munger is 99. Wow. What are the odds that two business partners live past 92. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> nuts how old these guys are and they're still functioning and they're still really sharp. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. Buffett's been touting his successor, Greg Abel, for years and he's always been kind of like a quiet participant at these meetings and he was much more present this time around, which I think is probably due to the age of those two guys. But hopefully they'll be around for years to come because they are very entertaining and I think we can all learn a lot from them. Totally agree. What have you been looking at, JC? So you just told us about some Warren Buffett quotes, and I've been following some quotes in the back-to-office drama that have been coming out in just the last few days. We've had Love it. Intel's Arvind Krishna say, your career 
does suffer when you work remotely. We had OpenAI's Sam Altman say going virtual is one of the tech industry's worst mistakes and that the experiment on that is over. We've had Lyft's David Risher reneging on the company's flexible work policy. Things just move faster when you're face-to-face, he said. We had billionaire Sam Zell say remote work is just a bunch of BS. Execs have publicly railed on remote work from a corporate America all-star team. Bob Iger, Mark Benioff, Jamie Dimon, Elon Musk, Howard Schultz, to name a few. And you'll repeatedly see numbers used to back their cause, like U.S. workers' productivity dipping year-over-year in Q1, down 2.7% from 2022. But obviously, it's not the whole story. It's not hard to also find data and studies that back the case for remote or hybrid work. And the economy also obviously is in a monolith. The merits of in-office, hybrid, and remote work arrangements vary by every company and industry. But just interesting to see some drama in this space. I think it's pretty clear objectively that allowing people to work remotely gives them better options for work-life balance, right? And so it's like, if you're only looking at the bottom line, you're only looking at the value you're providing to shareholders, and you're only looking at worker productivity, Mm -hmm. I still don't know if data actually proves that remote work makes you less effective. But even (laughs) if it does, that's only one factor to think about. So it's very interesting. And you could probably tell from the way I just said that, that I work remotely. (laughs) But yeah, I think some of these points are valid, but also think that it's definitely part of a bigger discussion. For sure. In other news, today in AI, after one ultra-Orthodox Jewish community banned AI usage, uh, Brooklyn Rabbi Moishe Goldstein created a chatbot that's versed in Jewish law, and it's called Kosher Chat. It has a Jewish filter meant to prevent the answers from opposing Torah values. Genius. But let's move along to a big what if from former Yahoo CEO Marissa Meyer, who said the tech company considered buying Hulu or Netflix in 2013, and Yahoo instead bought Tumblr for over a billion dollars, which they since offloaded for around $20 million and invested in the now shuttered Yahoo Screen streaming service. So just an interesting big what if there. And moving along, to be quite frank, Lichtenstein is planning to accept Bitcoin as a payment option for government services, announced the prime minister, who is also the country's finance minister. Last but not least, you can come at the king, but you best not miss a California woman who sued Subway back in 2021, claiming its tuna products contain non-tuna ingredients, is now looking to quit the case. But Subway calling the case frivolous and a shakedown is going after her legal team for over $600,000. And with that, let's get to today's main story. All right, JC. So in really surprising news, I feel like every time you see a commercial for a state, they're usually hyping up their state a lot. (laughs) I feel like I've seen a lot of those for Hawaii, but it sounds like Hawaii is kind of backtracking on that. What's going on there and why does Hawaii not want visitors? For years, Hawaii has been so good at marketing that it's come back to bite them in the form of too many people visiting the state. So just to rattle off some numbers. In 2019, Hawaii's one and a half million residents hosted record 10.4 million visitors. Wow. It's a lot. And that year, the state took in more than $2 billion in tourism tax revenue. So big part of the economy for Hawaii. At the same time, though, when you take in that much tax revenue from tourists, you're also getting steeper piles of garbage, traffic weights, and local housing costs that come with all that. And the people of Hawaii have not grown to love those things. 
2022 survey found 67% of residents agreed the state was being run for tourists at the expense of local people, and 66% preferred their tax dollars going to managing local tourism impacts rather than encouraging further tourism. I feel like there's already an underlying tension in Hawaii for residents, right? There's kind of like Mm -hmm. locals who are native Hawaiians, right? And then Mm -hmm. people that move out there from the States and then you have tourists. And so there's kind of like levels to this, but yeah, that 10 X level of tourists to residents, I've never seen that number (laughs) in print before. That's absolutely insane and puts it into crazy context. Mm -hmm. What have they tried to do in terms of fixing this? They've tried to start laying (laughs) laying down the law. (laughs) I love it. So in early 2020, right around when the pandemic was starting, they reformed their tourism office and introduced a plan to restore balance between the economic benefits of tourism and the impact on local communities. And that included measuring things like resident satisfaction, daily visitor spending, visitor satisfaction, and total visitor spending. And I think part of the goal here was to drive up spending without necessarily driving up the number of visitors that much, at least. Gotcha. Interestingly, I think it seems to have been working a bit. In March, Hawaii saw 97% of 2019's visitor numbers, but a 23.4% increase in tourist spending. For some legislators, though, the progress toward managing these crowds has not been fast enough. And there's a lot of drama going on over in Hawaii around the tourism office, which actually now faces funding cuts potentially and even flat out replacement with a new agency with no marketing focus at all, uh, according to Bloomberg. And the ironic part there is if the state's proposed budget isn't adjusted soon, the over-tourism controls already in place may be at risk of just going dark. Well, all that gets sorted out, though, I think the tourists will keep making their presence known, driving straight into harbors or whatnot. Did you see that story last week? (laughs) Hawaii tourists drove van into harbor because GPS said so. I didn't. But I will say, like, I took the road to Hana. I'm a little bit afraid of heights. So looking over some of those cliffs was extremely scary. And bada bing, bada boom, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to The Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwood. Our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter, which you can sign up for at thehustle.co slash email. Hope you have an awesome Tuesday. See you tomorrow. Get out of here. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.